I'm Shauna Warner. Welcome to Natural Awakenings, where we discuss the mind-body-spirit connection in conversations with very interesting people. Today, we're talking with Dr. Kimberly Weiss. She cares deeply about her patients, caring for all creatures, great and small, that have fur, scales, and uh, feathers. She's been taking care of her furry friends since uh, 1999. You know, modern veterinarians use state-of-the-art technology that's very similar to technology used in the treatment of humans, like acupuncture and chiropractic. You know, when health problems develop in our pets, it takes a lot of intuition and knowledge to treat a patient that only communicates by barking. Today's veterinarians are in a unique position of being the only doctors educated to protect the health of both animals and people. They can help meet the health needs of every species of creature, and they play an important role in environmental protection, food safety, and public health for humans. From bringing a pet into your home to knowing when it's time to say goodbye, Dr. Weiss has been there to help her patients and their owners through all of those different stages. So Dr. Kimberly Weiss, welcome to Natural Awakenings. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're here. I want to jump right in. Tell us again, the, the name of your clinic is? Healing Hands Veterinary Wellness Center. Healing Hands. I love that. Um, you know, you're using your hands in all sorts of ways. I want to just jump right in and talk mm -hmm. about chiropractic care Yes. For, for our creatures. So tell us about that because this is something that you do. So I absolutely adore, love chiropractic for pets. Uh, it's it's my uh, second passion next to exotic animals. Uh, about I've been a practicing chiropractor, veterinary chiropractor, for about 11 years now. Uh, maybe it's 12 years. Wow. I think it's 12 years now. And I went to Parker University of Chiropractic in Dallas, Texas. And um, you know, 12 years ago, I was. Uh, tired of I get an animal that was um, paralyzed and oh. it's like okay put them to sleep do surgery or have some drugs it's like my brain was like there's got to be something More. else yeah what else and I went to a lecture on veterinary chiropractic and it's like the light bulb went off I said this is wow. awesome and so I went to Parker and it was a postgraduate study so I studied along other chiropractors and veterinarians and uh, learned how to do chiropractic and have loved it ever since, have never looked back. It, it, it not only benefits dogs with slip discs and um, dogs that are, that are um, paralyzed or semi-paralyzed, but it, sometimes my limping dog, I can do an adjustment and it walks out. Oh, so, wow. um, um, uh, for people who might be afraid of chiropractic because mm -hmm. they've never had it done before, yeah. or people have said, Chiropractors will break your neck or something like that. A well-trained chiropractor uh, cannot break your neck, and a well-trained veterinary chiropractor is not going to do something that they feel might damage injure the animal or yeah. dam damage the animal more so. Yeah. So we do what's called motion palpation, and we palpate what's there, what isn't there. It, you know, usually take X-rays ahead of time unless they've come with X-rays. And, and just to make sure that everything is great because some people have brought me in pets for chiropractic and I've actually found cancer or I've actually oh. found fractures oh. and it's like okay you don't it's need different. chiropractic yeah. we've got to go a different route mm -hmm. so um, wow. um, but while I was in chiropractic school 
a lot of my friends did acupuncture also. So of course, you know, like a little lemming, You're going, I'm gonna I was, too. yeah, I went to <laughs> acupuncture school. So I went to international veterinary acupuncture uh, school down in San Antonio, Texas. And I did that three years after. So I've been doing it probably about nine years now, acupuncture. And I found that between the chiropractic, the acupuncture, we add laser, and then we add essential oils, the combo of all three, my owners like to call it a spa day. Oh. And <laughs> really about 90% of the time, they always report that their dog feels so much better, even after the first, and especially after the fourth, fifth, sixth session, that we go on what's called maintenance adjustments. And I do uh, maintenance adjustments for show dogs, mm -hmm. for agility dogs, mm. dock diving dogs. So we just keep them in uh, top premium condition. That is wild. Okay, so so talk to me a little bit about when you when you have an animal come in, um, and of course you know they're not speaking to you verbally, but they are speaking to you with their body, telling you how they're hurting, that they're hurting. So how do you make the differentiation between w whether this animal is going to get chiropractic or whether they're going to get acupuncture? Because those... So so sometimes they, they're too painful for chiropractic. So think about your, your bones mm -hmm. uh, uh, have muscles that keep everything in line. Okay. And if you are... I know the readers can't see this. I'm trying to... <laughs> uh, or readers, listeners can't see this, but... But if you've got two bones lined up and they're out of sync, the okay. muscles are going to be fighting themselves to get them back. That's okay. why we get the Tension knots in, in our necks and stuff like that because gotcha. the muscles are fighting themselves to align your spine. Okay. Okay. So um, what happens is if I get a fresh new patient where the pain is so great mm -hmm. that touching them, they even scream out. Sometimes it's like, okay, we're going to take a step back. We're just going to do some oils and some acupuncture and, and pain medicine, because I still believe in pain medicine. It's just that chiropractic, we try to get them off pain medicine sooner. So sometimes uh, we have to get them on pain medicine to get those muscles relaxed so we can do an adjustment adjust. and then later in the future, get them off the pain medicine. Wow. That, um, that takes a lot of uh, intuition, a lot of, you know, knowing all these little creatures. That takes a lot of, of uh, looking and, and listening. That's, uh, but yeah, I had no, it, I had, I literally it, had no idea. It's a, it's observation with your eyes, yeah, and and doing a neurological exam and also just palpating with your hands. So unfortunately, in vet school. It's books, 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 and some practical, but they don't teach you how to use your hands. As much that you need. Uh, well, really, they don't. Oh. And so when you go to chiropractic school, it's all it's about all. what you're feeling in your hands. That's that's crucial. And so um, uh, when you put your hands on that animal, what are you feeling? How are you feeling it? Etc. And 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 you know, feeling how the bones move, how the muscles move. And this is, again, where I said sometimes they come in and I find something else. I find a tumor or I find something that shouldn't be there that's at the actual cause of the problem rather than this is a chiropractic issue. Yeah, that's so. pretty amazing because that takes all of that 
book learning, you know, all yeah. of the education that you didn't have the, you know, the hands-on. Yeah. And then chiropractic just lets you take all that book learning and, and know what you're feeling. Correct. Because I could touch my dog and have no idea. Like, yeah. you know, and, and what I is am, that? I, I honestly <laughs> did not pick it up right away. Yeah. So what I ended up doing is for that first year, well, actually, while I was in school, I would tell people, okay, I'm practicing, and I'm on the leg. Can I do the dog's leg? You know, I'm on the neck. Uh, Can I do the dog's neck? You know, uh -huh. stuff like that. And, you know, every, most of the time people say, yeah, you can practice on my pet. So, and then I would also practice on animals that didn't need chiropractic because you have gotcha. to know what the normal difference. feels yeah. like because, um, and I'll be honest to my listeners, I cried all through chiropractic school because I was like, I'm just not getting this, right? But it wasn't until one day it clicked because I felt a lot of normals. Mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't adjust, but I palpated a lot of puppies mm -hmm. so I could feel what a normal should feel like that one day... When I did an abnormal dog, it just, my brain just went, oh! <laughs> <laughs> and I bet the dog did then, too. <laughs> and then from then on, it, it was just, yeah, it was like, I've got this, you know? That's and awesome. in fact, I love to tell my favorite story. When I was um, in chiropractic school, one of my uh, patients uh, named Lobo, still a patient today, <laughs> they had found them in a park, and the dog only could circle to the left or circle to the right. I can't remember, but it was yeah, only, only one in direction. one direction. Aww. And um, it was very painful and being very aggressive, and they yeah. found it as a puppy. And, and I said, hey, I'm in chiropractic school. Can I make an adjustment? And they're like, sure. And it turned out that the occiput was out, and I adjusted it, and um, he's been you know pain-free ever since, and he's maintained been a patient of mine so like so. a little bone in his neck or something well that was, so your was... occiput your head sits on a swivel okay okay and so your very first vertebrae is your um atlas okay and so it's kind of along and then your head sits on this swivel okay well if that gets stuck okay so then it gets very painful and the you're kind of stuck like this one and direction so, yeah yeah and in humans they do the toggle effect uh, it's, it's a special technique, the toggle, to get your occiput moving again, get your atlas moving again. In pets, you have to kind of alter it because, you know, they're not lying on a table. Yeah. So, but you, you get that moving again, that swivel action, so that they can move their head. Oh, so. that's amazing. And I bet that when you've got uh, owners that go, wow. That's a, a huge difference in what my, you know, little fur friend was doing. Mm -hmm. That can be pretty amazing because, you yeah. know, one of the things people people love their animals. Mm -hmm. the, our animals are our family members. You know, they're like our children. They are truly just so many people are connected to their creatures. So, you know, this is um, when you're dealing with the, the animals, you're dealing with the people too. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, what do you do? I, I know that you've got to have times when you have a client come in, the the human and the furry climate, or the scaly climate, or the, mm -hmm. the, 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 right, the client, <laughs> or the, you know, the furry one, whatever. So you've got to deal with both of them. What do you do when you've got someone coming in and they're so anxious? I know you've got animals and people. Do they feed off each other? Does, they do. They uh -huh. feed off each other. And depending on what we need to do, 
sometimes I send the patient, not the dogs or the cats or the birds, but I send the owners outside. Oh. And some owners, they know better and just wait outside because because it does they do feed off of each other. And once you get remove the owner from the equation, it's just like a, uh-huh. a mom with their child, right? Uh-huh. The doctor's like, I got to get this shot. You get out of the room, yep. right? Uh, so sometimes I, you know, we have them step out yeah. so that I can do my thing because I, I definitely have a few anxious owners, not just for sure. regular shots and stuff, but for the chiropractic. And then yeah. I can do my adjustment without them go freaking out. Uh, and then I have them step back in for the acupuncture. And sometimes they have to be out for the acupuncture because needles, you know, needles, exactly. <laughs> right. They say, my dog doesn't like needles. I mean, you know, you mean you don't like needles. I'm stepping out of the room yeah. for the needles. Okay. That, you know, that's good to know because we're, we're all, um, you know, attached to our little, our animals and that anxiety, you know, we can transmit that to our, to our pets. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's very interesting. So, so tell me a little bit more. I loved you telling that story about Lobo. Um, tell us another great story. Do you have another client of that? You know, what sticks in your mind? Tell us well, another good one. Well, I always like to tell my story. Most people say, what is the weirdest animal you've ever uh, adjusted? Oh, yeah, let's hear it. Porcupine. <gasps> no, are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very hard to adjust a porcupine. Okay, so, so again, when I was still in school, I was the <laughs> vet for Little River Zoo. Little River Zoo's closed its doors since then, but they had a lame porcupine, and the owner said, "Hey, why don't you come over and try to do an adjustment?" And I'm like, like, "Sure, okay, sure." <laughs> and the porcupine was hand raised, so very friendly porcupine. Yeah. Um, however, those little long spines, there's little teeny ones under those. And so even though with one hand I lifted up the spines, and, and again, he's not trying to, to right, shoot attack, or anything right, because yeah. his hand raised, right. but to get my hand in there to do an adjustment, all I was it was like a Chinese torture. All the little spines were going up my fingernails. Oh. So so it was a very difficult adjustment. <laughs> so did it was it successful? Yeah, yeah. No, it just I think the hip was out or something, because that was like twelve years ago. But yeah. <laughs> that, I wanted to know okay. That is that is yeah. a fabulous story. Okay, what about skunks? Sorry, skunk. I just have. So, so have so, you ever had a skunk patient? Uh, I I have had a couple of skunk patients. Um, we've spayed some skunks. I don't know how to be sent, but I've had <laughs> spayed a couple. And uh, you have to have special licensing, so I just ah. have a few clients that have it. And then um, the zoos, of course, Little Room mm-hmm. Zoo, and I'm mm-hmm. a vet at Tiger Safari. They have a skunk, um, but I've never adjusted a skunk. <laughs> well, you never know. You might get one next week. If you do, I want to hear all about it. Because that's interesting. You know, I, um, so I, I grew up in the country. I grew up on a little farm. And we had, you know, big animals. So how, what's the difference as you're dealing with small creatures versus the great big ones? I mean. So the, the, the only difference is how you do your technique. Okay. So, so my great danes i treat like small ponies when i'm doing an yeah. adjustment right gotcha my little chihuahuas i just rape over my leg and i ting 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 you know and it's right there on my my, my table is yeah. my leg yeah uh, so when i get taller i have to get a little creative um i don't adjust horses because i need an adjustment after that <laughs> however i have some very good friends um, that I went to chiropractic school with. They are chiropractors. So if anyone out there who's listening needs a good horse chiropractor, Dr. Mike Shafatelli at Hoof and Woof Chiropractic, and he's a human chiropractor, 
in South Oklahoma City, awesome with horses, and um, um, but your technique is just different because obviously your horses yeah, are bigger. So big. And he also not only adjusts horses, but he found his niche in um, FAA animals. So he adjusts pigs, oh, goats, yeah. sheep, and cattle. And um, of course, his cattle wow. he adjusts in a squeeze chute. So, but wow. he adjusts show cattle. Yeah. So again, so that the um, students, their cows are um, being able to be shown at their yeah. best uh, optimum conformation and yeah. being able to move and everything. Absolutely, that so is it's amazing. Just, it's just your technique. Yeah. I mean, it's the same process. It's just as you get bigger, you have to just alter alter your technique. And yeah. space, yeah, because and a, space. a cow. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're yeah. big. Horses, horses too. The, the, it's fascinating. That's amazing. Okay, we're going to take a really quick break. We will be right back with more Natural Awakenings. Do you know what's under your kitchen sink? Do you know what's under your bathroom sink? Poison. Poison chemicals that are sold as household cleaners. These products harm and even kill children in the home every year. There is a better way a safe alternative that won't harm your family. It's plant-based, affordable, and effective. Go to childsafecleaners.com. That's childsafecleaners.com. And we're back with more Natural Awakenings. We're talking with Dr. Kimberly Weiss. And, you know, I, that porcupine story still is sticking with me. That's going to stick with me all evening. I love that. So what, what brought you to become a veterinarian? What was it that drove you to say, I want to help these little furry people. So as, as you know, a little kid, you know, they always say as a child, you know, uh, but I actually did not want to be a veterinarian as a child. Okay. I grew up, I'm from the era of Jane Goodall and Diane Fossey. Yes. So that's what I wanted to do was become ah. an animal behavioralist. Um, however, just sitting there for hours on end ticking, yes, this bird did this. Yes, this bird did. Oh, that was so boring. And so... <laughs> You needed I more was, action. I was not a very good. It was like I would yawn. Whoops, I missed something. Oh, I missed a tick mark. You know, I just, it just didn't work. Um, but I still wanted to work with exotics um, um, because of Diane Fossey and Jane Goodall. And I've yeah. listened to Jane Goodall several times in lectures. Oh, She's fabulous. She is, isn't she? Um, um, but we had a local veterinarian where I lived, and I absolutely did not want to be a veterinarian because I said, I don't want to work with anything sick. Yeah. And I, um, my neighbor's dog got into a fight, and I don't know why I was there. I just I watched Dr. Hopkins, who was my mentor. Uh, he fixed this dog's eye, and everything was like kind of like chiropractic. It, it was, was like, like light bulb. Oh, it's like, oh, oh, you take sick and make well. I get it. <laughs> it's like I can do that. I, I want to do, do that. that. Exactly. I want to do that. So at the tender age of of. 14, I actually started working in Dr. Hopkins clinic, sweeping floors and everything, and have actually been in the veterinary business since 14 doing that. Um, you know, so basically worked my way up from sweeping floors to being the doctor doing surgeries. Yeah. And um, have never looked back, but yeah. I've always loved exotics because of Jane Goodall and Diane Fossey. So actually before I went to vet school, I went to... Um, Edom, which is Exotic Animal Training and Management Program. It's out in Moorpark College. Mm -hmm. And um, they train you to train lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. And so oh my. <laughs> that was my very first degree. Wow. Was training the big cats and, and what have you. And um, then I went to veterinary technology school, got my 
um, became a licensed technician in California, and I started working for International Bird Research Rescue Center. Oh, wow. Uh, doing oil spills. So I did um, um, five years, 15 oil spills under my belt as the lead vet tech under Dr. Flo, who was the veterinarian at the time. So I've worked with pelicans and grebes and loons and, oh and penguins and love them all. I love all those guys that are up there. I just love working with birds. And um, from there, I uh, went to uh, uh, the Playboy Mansion. I was the um, assistant manager at the Playboy Mansion Zoo. Then I became manager at Motown Records Private Zoo. Oh, wow. I met my husband shortly thereafter that. And he says, what are you wasting your talents doing this? You got to go to vet school. So he pushed me into vet school, and then of course, and then went to Parker and yeah, and acupuncture, and acupuncture, and exactly. Oh so, wow, yeah. that okay, that's an incredible story. That's an incredible process to go from. Okay, we start out here. I'm 14, then I'm going to start helping creatures, and then here you are, mm -hmm. acupuncture, chiropractic, all sorts of things. Okay, so I know you like the birds. <clears throat> I, I know that you like exotic animals and mm -hmm. you do specialize in that. What's the most, um, you know, what's the most exotic animal that you deal with today? I mean, do you ever deal with snakes? So well, I have uh, a lot of clients that, that have snakes. I uh, typically, I do not deal with venomous snakes because my reflexes have never been that good. But when I did an internship at the Baltimore Aquarium, I learned how to work with venomous snakes. Mm. So that was pretty cool, but I still don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I guess my biggest is just being the vet at Tiger Safari. You know, I take care of their, their tigers and their mountain lions, their hyenas. Oh, wow. I think they have a, they have a, they have a zebra, they have foxes, Guatemundi. So, so I'm their vet and take care of those critters. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. That's, a, that's a lot of creatures. And every creature has got to be different in temperament. Do you, do you, do you see, like, um, in a species, do you see typical temperaments? Or no, is there so, just as much variety as in humans? So, yeah, exactly. So the animals definitely have different personalities. So, um, um and, and it's just like a dog or a cat. They're either going to be introverted or extroverted. They're going to be mean. They're going to be nice. So it, so it all, all depends. Or, or they're going to be kind of flighty like a cat. You know, pet me, but now I'm going to kill you. You know, type <laughs> of thing. So, um, but yes, they all have their own personalities. Yeah. yeah. And it, that's interesting. So when you, when you have a grumpy creature come in. Uh-huh. <clears throat> So what do you do to help the grumpies? Because I've seen grumpy cat. My son has two cats, and they are grumpy. So it depends on how grumpy and what the, <laughs> what the problem is. So sometimes ah. we can wrangle them with a towel and, and fix the problem, yeah. you know, with, with a couple of shots or something like yeah. that. And other times we actually have to put them under anesthesia to deal, so, with. To deal with them. So a couple months back, somebody drove all the way up from Lawton, they had their raccoon got into their fishing tackle. Oh, and had the, and it was stuck. Had the, the fishing uh, lures all stuck in, in his abdomen. Oh. And luckily it's all external. Yeah. But that was one mean raccoon. And well, he was hurting. It, it took us a good hour to, to knock him down mm -hmm. and, and only 30 seconds to get the fishing line out Right, of him. right. Oh, my gosh. That's wild. Yeah. <clears throat> so... 
I told you earlier, you know, I grew up on a farm. My grandmother had pet raccoons. Mm-hmm. And my father had a pet skunk. But my grandmother had pet raccoons. And one of the coolest things, <clears throat> the raccoons, of course, you know, love to wash things. Right. And yeah. she loved to give this raccoon um, um, a piece of ice. Mm-hmm. And this this female raccoon would go and turn the sink on and would wash her ice until it was gone. <laughs> and it was, I don't know, my grandma just... It got to the point that the the raccoon wanted to do, that was one of their favorite afternoon things. They would just go wash ice, and it Mm -hmm. was just wild. Then her second raccoon ate peaches. That was the thing. (laughs) We called him peaches. It was a guy, but we called him peaches because that's what, that was his favorite treat. So, you know, pets are are amazing. People, you know, we need our pets. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this, there's this connection, I think, that people have between, um, between species. It's like, all all creatures have the need to be loved and taken care of. I mean, whether we have scales or fur or feathers or skin, you mm-hmm. know, everybody, all yeah. of them. So, well, I, you know, as as we're finishing up here, I want to ask you, um, you know, if you were to give people one bit of advice and say, hey, you know, what what do you think is the most important thing you could tell people? moving forward about how they deal with their animals that could help them and make things better. I mean, is there, there's probably so many things you could say, but is there one thing that you could suggest to people? So, so the, the biggest, the one thing suggesting is diet. Oh, okay. okay. Just like with people, junk in, junk out, right? So uh, I tell people, I tell my clients that food is a philosophy. So what you're willing to put in your body you know, it's going to translate to what you're willing to put in your pet's body. So, you know, I can't help the McDonald's people because they're going to put McDonald's in their food. And I hate to use McDonald's. I should have said fast food. (laughs) But we all know that um, it's not the best food out there. And um, so um, it's the same with some of the, you know, uh, lower quality dog food. We get a lot of people that come in and their dogs are um, either have dogs and cats either have chronic diarrhea or chronic skin problems or or uh, chronic eye goops or always getting sick. Well, okay, what are you feeding? Well, okay, we need to get a better diet, right? Wow. Because just like with a person, it all starts with what you're putting in your body mm-hmm. because your gut is like 70% of your immune system. So if you're not getting good food, uh, then your gut can't work properly and then everything else kind of falls by the wayside. So a lot of times just by switching to um, a better quality diet or a, a um, um, and, and what I tell people is I don't recommend a certain type of food. Mm-hmm. I don't recommend grain over non-grain. I don't recommend um, all meat, or all meat or versus <laughs> vegan, right? Yeah. Because everybody responds differently to a diet. What I would put in my body wouldn't be what you would put in your body or your pet's body or or my dogs. So gotcha. you know, my dogs get seven different types of, of of meat. I feed four different types of food. I feed a mixture of fresh, I feed a mixture of um of um, um moistened canned, etc. Okay. And um but a lot of people might not want to feed that much. Mm-hmm. Right. So I always Tell people, figure out what you want to put in your dog's mouth and then read the label. What does the label of the particular food set? Then, if you 
made your selection. You make your selection because of price. You make your selection because of you like the ingredients. You make your selection because of availability. I, I try to tell people, uh, you, you know, you're trying to support the little small business owner. However, if he's in Maine and there's a snowstorm, you might not be able to get that food, mm -hmm. right? So Always you, you need to think about backup. <laughs> exactly. What, what can you do backup? And then lastly, what does your pet look like, right? So whatever diet you end up picking, does your pet have nice shiny coat, oh. no dandruff, bright eyes, no goopy eyes, right? Um, small, firm, compact poop that doesn't smell much. They only should poop a couple times a day. I have owners telling me, well, he poops 15 times a day. Well, like that's not enough food for you. Right. Something's coming in and going right back out right. again. Change the food. So uh, uh, you want to see what the pet. So even if you've selected a really good, high-quality food, it might be, not be the right one for him or yeah. her, your yeah. pet. Yeah. Dot work at doesn't matter or bird for that matter. Right. And so you've got to see what the end product is. Now, if you have, you know, bright and shiny coat, soft, all you want to do is pet it all day long. You don't want to go to work. You want then to pet your pet. Good. Yeah. And, and little small you know, poops in the yard or in the litter box. And a long time ago, I had a cat, and his poops was the bog of eternal stench. That's what we call it. <laughs> you know. And this is well before I knew about diet or anything like that. And all I had to do was change the diet, but that never occurred to me, right? Okay, I just what figured, is that cat eating? Yeah, exactly. I just figured that's the cat, right? Not that's the cat's diet. Gotcha. So, um, so we shouldn't have the bog of eternal stench, you know? Yeah. It should be just a little waft of poop. We pooped, and that's it, right? Yeah. So, so you want to see. You know, good product going in and better product coming out, right? Okay, that is that is some great advice. Okay, as we're finishing up here, tell me about your creatures. Who who do you have? You mentioned you have seven dogs. No. Okay, no, I, seven stuck in my head. No, no. Uh, I just have four dogs. You have four dogs. Yeah, okay. Yeah, four dogs, and I and I have uh, I do have five house cats, and and I have emus. So. Yeah. Wow, all creatures great and small. Yeah. Which, by the way, mm -hmm. did you, when I was young, I read every one of the James Harriet books. Have you read them all? I have oh. not, but oh. I just recently found out that one of my very good friends and mentors in veterinary medicine uh, did her internship under James Harriet. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. gosh. In England. That is so, amazing. Yeah. Well, those mm -hmm. books are so fabulous. They still, I, I still remember so many of the stories um, and thank you so much because just talking with you has reminded me, I'm going to go crack open those books and start reading them again because they're just so, so fabulous. And, you know, thank you for taking care of so many creatures because I know that there's a need. If someone has an exotic pet, they need an exotic vet. Um, so thank you for mm -hmm. being available for people here in Oklahoma to say, hey, you know, I've got this. I've got a porcupine and he's got an issue. Dr. Wise, can yeah. you fix him? <laughs> so thank you very much for You're being welcome. here. We really appreciate it. Hey, I'm Shauna Warner. You've been listening to Natural Awakenings. Join me again for another great conversation about the mind-body-spirit connection, whether we're human or dog or cat. You never know what we're going to discuss next, so don't miss a single moment. All the views expressed are those of the guests. The podcast is a service brought to you by Natural Awakenings and our parent company, Nana Services Group. Ideas expressed in the podcast are for your information only. Thanks, and we'll talk to you next time.